Drawn Out, a podcast about Disney animated film. I'm your host, Brooke. I'm your other host, Chase. And today we are going to kick our new year off, um, mm-hmm. kick 2019 off with a short um, and then a feature. So <laughs> our short this week. It's called Freeway Phobia or the Art of Driving on the Superhighway. <laughs> Um, 1965. 1965, directed by Les Clark. It's, um, a, it's a goofy short. And um, w- as we are California girls, this was especially, <laughs> like, ugh. You can tell, like, it's written for people in L.A. Yeah. Like, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know how relevant this would have been in 1965 to people around the world, because mm-hmm. most major cities had subways mm-hmm. or public transit. For whatever reason, L.A. didn't. <laughs> And still... It's not that... It, it's better. It's better. It's better. It's better. It's better. But, um... Well, and I remember reading somewhere that in the Olympic um, proposal, I mean, because we're going to have, like, what, 2028? Uh, I think so. Um, 2028 or 2032 is in LA, and I remember what, in the original proposal, they said that, that they would set a goal to be able to get 80% of spectators there via public transit. Yeah, I... Which sounds... Beautiful. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, a lot of it would probably be based in the sports arena and the Coliseum and USC. And, right. and public transit around there is pretty good. Right, like, there, right. I, like, I could go most places I needed to go via public transit when I lived out there. Yeah, and I mean, like, I know people who live near me and take the gold line in to yeah. LA. Public transit's not bad. I think a lot of it really is cultural in LA. Yeah, well, and it's changing. I think, well, I think it is. It's changing slowly. Like, obviously, like, millennial generation, mm-hmm. we struggle to afford cars and pay auto insurance mm-hmm. and gas is really expensive. Mm-hmm. And so we are adapting to public transit more quickly. And it's nice to be able to just keep your headphones on and sit and read. Also true, like, culture public transit's more enjoyable. <laughs> we have more distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so this is a goofy short. It's done in a goofy documentary mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. where the voiceover is interacting with um, Goofy, except none of these characters are Goofy himself. Yeah, they are all different species of uh, menacing drivers. Menace- drivers that are menaces to the so, other drivers. Timidus, right? It's t- yeah. Timidus, Fidgetus, and Distracticus? Distracticus. Something like that. I think. I didn't. Oh, no, Neglecticus. I did write that yeah. one down. Um, so each of these drivers, based on their name, has a flaw in the way that they behave on the freeway. And um, the first one was the um, Timidicus, the, the mm-hmm. timid driver. And the first thing that they show him doing is like not going fast enough on the on-ramp and, like, dead stopping and waiting for a big gap to be able to get on. And, like, I was laughing the whole time but this one. I was like, I hate this guy. I, I drive behind him. I, I drive behind this person all the time and I hate it. I hate yeah. it so much. Yeah. Um, when I used to get on the freeway for work, now I, like, can get on the freeway and I just go mm-hmm. south. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I worked... In Pasadena, mm-hmm. I would have to get on the freeway and merge very quickly. And so if people are getting on in front of me slowly, I only have like mm-hmm. 200 feet to get onto the correct freeway. And it would drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Like, or like you know how um, that 
that chunk where the 57 and the 60 are the same, but you have to move oh, over real quick if you want to yes. stay, if you need to, if you don't want to stay on the 57. I drive that chunk every day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was, that, that was one of the chunks that I used to use to, like, when I was learning how to drive on the freeway, like, mm. all of us, all five of us learned how to drive the road to grandma's, mm. and so that was part of it, and it was like, you need to get over immediately. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's almost as bad as the 57-210 merger. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> um, also, the other thing the timid driver does is go really slow, slow in, in the, the fast lane. Oh, I hate that so much. Like, <laughs> like if I hate it when people go the speed limit um, in the fast lane in the middle lanes. <laughs> I mean, if you're going the speed limit in California, you're doing it wrong. Unless for what I, I don't know what it is, the sixty. Whenever people are on the sixty, they go sixty-five miles an hour. Drives me up a it, wall. It does. I don't understand it. Neither do I. Like, I'll take the 10, I'll take the 210, the 101, mm-hmm. all of it, people are going 80. Unless there's traffic, which is fine. Yeah. But the 60, I'm like, I don't understand. Why is this the freeway that we all obey the speed limit on? What I, happens? I don't know. <laughs> or, um, oh, there was another, like, what? there's a chunk when you're going eastbound on the 10, um, like out of downtown LA and it splits if like if you want to go on the five south mm, mm-hmm, or then the mm-hmm. and then the sixty and then uh-huh. the ten, five and then the ten and but yes. if you're going taking the chunk that's the ten, you have to get move over real quick if you want to actually get on the ten instead of just like driving all the mm, way to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I once was not paying attention I w- and missed that and this was before I had a phone with GPS, so I had to oh. call my parents and say I'm on the five north. How do I get home? <laughs> and then eventually I hit the one thirty four, and they're oh, like, "Oh, okay. just you know." There you go. But it was it was it was That's a very scary funny. time for twenty year old Brooke. Uh, one time I did get lost, and I didn't have like GPS was still new, mm-hmm. and so I had an older phone where I had maps, but my battery was dying, and it used a wet browser. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't very reliable. I went into a Seven Eleven and asked how to get to the freeway. <laughs> Because we didn't have maps in the car. Because yeah. it was like that weird transition point yeah. where maps were out, but GPS wasn't quite in yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one time I was in Utah, and I, I was, I asked some. I, I went. I was in the same situation, and I, and I stopped, and I asked. I pulled into a, like a gas station, and I put gas in my car, and I said, "Hey, can you tell me how to get to the 15 North?" And they said, "What?" <laughs> and I said, "The 15 North. What?" I-15, go headed north. Oh, okay. <laughs> Does anybody else have the theme music from the Californians stuck in their head right now? Because <laughs> this is what we're doing. Um, do you know why in California we say the blank freeway? Because it doesn't matter what type of freeway it is. And what matters is the number and which direction it's going because it doesn't matter because they're all tangled up and you're going to take at least two before you get to where you're going. But like other people will say, oh, you take five south. Like, or you take one mm-hmm. north. But, like, we always put a the in front of our freeways because we named them. Which, like, so my dad will talk about how he hated when he first came to L.A. Because he was, he lived, like, all over. But when he started working in L.A., he would, like, listen to the free, like, the uh, radio for traffic mm-hmm. updates. And they would be like, 
oh, the Santa Monica freeway is really jam-packed, so you might want to take an alternate route. Oh. And he's like, I don't know what the Santa... Is that east? Is that west? Oh, is yeah, that I hate... south? I don't yeah, know what I, that is. I don't like that either. I do not like that either. <laughs> but, like, so, like, we're away from that now. Like, we numbered our freeways but, but and we kept used them the colloquially. The. We kept the the. The San Bernardino. <laughs> yeah. The Santa Monica, um... The Orange Freeway. Is that 57? 57, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, five is the Santa Ana Freeway. Southbound, briefly. north northbound at Sacramento, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. <laughs> get on the 10 and get out of here. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, That's an SNL sketch, right? Where they're like, get on the five. Like, I said I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, um, it's supposed to be a soap opera, but really all mm. they do is talk about the traffic. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, this is supposed to be a Disney podcast. All we're doing is talking about L.A. traffic. <laughs> we knew we were getting into when we watched Freeway Phobia. We should have seen this coming, and we're not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. I don't know about you. No. Um, let's talk about driver number two. Driver number two is the impatient driver. Fidgetus. Um, I hate this guy, too. The concept- God, I hate this guy. He's uh, actually, always driving a truck or a sports car. Unless it's Utah, and then it's everyone. <laughs> Really? Yeah, Salt Lake tr- Salt Lake driving is the worst. No one uses their mirrors. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's it's a jungle. Um, constantly changing lanes, tailgating. And there was a really long bit explaining why tailgating is bad. Mm-hmm. Using like there's you're driving across a football field and there's a stop sign. Like they tell you to stop. How long it takes you to react versus how long it takes the car to actually stop. Basically, mm-hmm. just to say like. You can't tailgate or else something terrible right. is going to happen. And, like, that's all this, like, I don't know about other drivers that across the country, but in California, we get extensive driver's education mm-hmm. on, like, spacing time. Yeah, I remember, like, actually, occasionally when I still drive with my dad on the freeway, he will count out the seconds between me and the driver in front of me. God. <laughs> Driving with my dad is a, um... I learned how to drive, let's put it that way, <laughs> and other people compliment my driving, but my dad does not like it. So funny. My dad is um, fidgetous, <laughs> so I learned to do that, but to be fair, my instructor t- told me, he's like, you have a lead foot, and you can go really fast, and you need to not do that, mm-hmm. which like, whatever, I live in LA, I mm-hmm. still go fast, sorry. Yeah. Um... But the other thing you say is, like, you have really good, like, spacing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're very good about, like, keeping your distance from cars. And I was like, thanks. Mm-hmm. And I've, since then, well, rear-ended two different people. Oh, my gosh. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I've only ever hit parked cars. <laughs> I've done that uh, um, multiple times as well. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right, driver number three. Driver number three is me. Um, <laughs> and me. The inattentive driver. Yeah. And, I, and as soon as they said inattentive, I said, oh, that's what kind of ADHD I have. <laughs> Um, when they were, like, enjoying their second cup of coffee. I'm like, oh, that's my first cup of coffee. That's how I wake up is while I'm driving to work with my cup yeah, of coffee. Yeah, uh, Chase always arrives at my door with coffee still in her mug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but today I arrived at three in the afternoon with coffee in my mug. So. <laughs> Happy holidays. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, the basic things are, like, um, they rubberneck. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're, they're that not. I do not. I'm very good about not rubbernecking. Yeah. It I, makes me I try so mad. To, yeah. Um, and the other one, this is when I was like, oh shoot, they they came for me, um, was if you're not always paying quite good enough attention to the signs and then you don't have that much time to get over to yeah. your exit. Yeah. I have done that many times. One time oh, I, I had changed so fast that I like swerved out onto the dirt Ooh. on the interchange. Um, 
back to the 57 and the 60 interchange. So I was in the carpool lane driving someone home. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to the interchange. Carpool lane does not go to the 57. Mm-hmm. Didn't really, like, make that connection until we're, like, getting, like, it's done. The mm-hmm. merge is done. And we're stuck in traffic. <laughs> and I'm like... He's like, we'll be fine. We're going west. And I'm like, no, we're about to go east. We are going the wrong direction. The freeway we need is all the way. It's four lanes that way in traffic. And I just went for it. Oh, my gosh. And I made it. And I have never spoken to him since. <laughs> uh, and I don't remember what um, freeway that that interchange was because I was going to the Long Beach airport. And so that's just a whole mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. bundle of oh, yeah. freeways that mm-hmm. I with which I am not familiar mm-hmm. Probably the 405 or 710. Uh, 710 sounds right. And then there's, or like 22 something. No, that's 22 is not by Long Beach. No, that's the other, that's the other beaches. That's Huntington. Uh Uh-huh. Um... But that was a long time ago. Oh, that was before JetBlue started flying to LAX again. And oh. and before the city of Ontario bought back the Ontario airport, making Woo! Ontario affordable to fly from again. Finally. Hallelujah. Oh. Yeah, we just picked my sister up from Ontario for Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's so much nicer than LAX. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> it's so close. We took mm-hmm. When my brother left for his mission, we took him to the, to the Ontario airport at 5 in the morning for his flight. And it wasn't that big a deal because no. we were home by 6. It's <laughs> so nice. Shout out to the Ontario airport. We love you, the, Ontar- <laughs> we love you, the Ontario airport. <laughs> oh. So that's the goofy short? <laughs> that is the goofy short. Um, we had a lot of fun watching it. Um, we did. Our conversation about it has been as long as the short. Which <laughs> <laughs> well, is about as long as we usually talk That's about fair. the shorts. That's it was fair. a long short. It was a long short, and we had a lot to say about this one. <laughs> yes. Um, um, and so our feature today is The Sword and the Stone. When was the last time you watched it, Chase? Actually, I can tell you exactly. It was in college with my friend who said she had never seen it. And so we sat down to watch it because I was like, oh, I love this one. And it's King Arthur. And we both loved Arthurian stories. Mm -hmm. So we sat down and it was over. And she was like, didn't really like it. And I was like, what do you mean? It's so much fun and good and has good music. And she's like, no, I just didn't like it. Um, And I know exactly why. It's very, it doesn't have like a big overarching Mm -hmm. plot. So... I'm excited to watch it, and I'm going to try to tuck away the nostalgia for yeah. this watch and see, like, as a storyteller, if I still like it or not. Yeah. But, um, yeah. When was the last time you watched it? I don't know. It's another <laughs> one of those ones, like, 101 Dalmatians, where, like, I have, I know I'm going to have those moments where mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, oh, I remember this part. Mm-hmm. But, um, we must have had it on, but the last time I watched it, it was on VHS. <laughs> mm. I just, the last time I watched it was also on VHS. I'm not sure I've opened this DVD for anything other than to get the rewards code out of it. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to well, go I'm watch excited. Sword in the well, Stone. Oh. oh, but the last Arthurian movie I Ooh, watched yes. was, um. With me. Was with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we watched Legend of the Sword. Which um, is. Directed by Guy, Guy Ritchie. Ritchie. <sighs> if you, Okay. It's, it's, I will, like, I know you didn't like the way that I put it, but I'm going to say, like, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's good. It's, like, ridiculous in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's absolutely a ridiculous film. It's over the top, and... So, think, like, Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr., it has all those same film-style elements. Because it's directed by Guy Ritchie. Right. 
but it's with Charlie Hunnam, and they have swords. And it's so good. As about the only difference, really. Yeah, um, and, and it's Charlie Hunnam. I love it. It's the- Charlie Hunnam. Uh, um, and actually, like, there were a lot of good actors in there. Oh, um, yeah, and Jude Law. Jude Law is in it as well. Jude <laughs> Law plays Mordred, which was, like, the casting choice I was unprepared for. So now, like, let me, like, Jude Law has Jude now Law. played two of the most powerful wizards in all of, like, Western literature. <laughs> so props to Jude Law. Maybe he secretly is a magician. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, you guys should watch Legend of the Sword, directed it's, by Guy Ritchie, starring it's, Charlie Hunnam. Don't listen to Rotten Tomatoes. It's good. Oh, no, it's so fun um, and fantastic. And Charlie Hunnam. And Charlie Hunnam. Um, and we're going to go watch Sword in the Stone, the Disney one, which is about the boy king. So, And that's good, too. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> I'm excited. I All do right. for sure love the music, so that's all right. Fun. Okay, Bye. we'll see you on the other side. Just finished Sword in the Stone. It's cute. Mm-hmm. I liked it more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my initial remembering was like the connective tissue is definitely weak. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Sword in the Stone, some background. It's from 1963. Uh, mm-hmm. Wolfgang Reitherman is the director for this one. It was the last film that Disney officially produced before his death. Mm-hmm. Or that he was involved in. I think it was stuff. the last one that was released before he, he died. Thank you. Because um, he worked on Jungle Book and stuff, but it came out. Well, it was re- that it was released right. after he died. You are but the one he got to see. The last one he got to that's see. That's fair. That's a good way to put it. And he did like personally prove the script for this one. They were like discussing between this and Chanticleer, which is a story about a rooster on a farm. Famous children's story. Which is weird, because, like, for us, our famous children's stories are Disney. Mm -hmm. But, like, I remember my French teacher talking about Chanticleer um, as a famous kid's story that she grew up with. She was very (laughs) old. Um, I don't Anyway, so Chanticleer did not win out. Um, Famous quote from Mm -hmm. Disney. You can't, like, roosters, you don't want to pick them up and pet them. So he'll never be a good protagonist. (laughs) Which, I mean, maybe Disney was the furry all along. <laughs> but yeah, so Sword in the Stone got picked, which is how we got this movie. And it was kind of a messy production, right? Yeah, so the boy they originally cast as Arthur hit puberty in the middle of production, so they had to recast. They had like 70 people try out for Arthur. Um, they re- they ended up recasting Wolfgang's Reitherman's kids. Um, yeah, there are three... There are three little boys credited as the voice of Arthur <laughs> in this one movie. Two of them are Wolfgang Reitherman's sons. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. It was just, and I feel like you can kind of tell the production was messy mm-hmm. from the story itself. Yeah. Yeah, the backgrounds, it just felt different. It did. It really did. And I'm, I think when we were like initially looking at it, 
I would have expected this film to be in, like, the Disney Dark Ages. Yeah. This is not a Silver Age film. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like what we've seen already, and it's not like the films that we're going to finish up with. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's based on a book series, mm-hmm. um, a tetralogy, which I believe is four. And the book series, from what I understand, haven't read it, but from what I understand is that same tone of this movie, where it's um, a little bit funny, a little bit serious and very very rooted in its historical context Mm -hmm. and like a lot of that like the art for the medieval period felt really nice it Mm kind of felt like a knockoff of sleeping beauty it did like it was trying to pull those sleeping beauty elements but it didn't have the Mm -hmm. elegance of sleeping beauty um and it didn't really even attempt to have the elegance and just kind of wanted to have the power without Mm -hmm. any of the stately grace i think Made for an interesting blend yeah. in the animation front. And, like, the the backgrounds where you're, like, outside, like, the woods and um, the squirrel tree and stuff, it just, the texture of it was just, like, so different from anything that we've seen, if that makes sense. It does actually, I didn't even really think about it, but, like, we've seen the woods in Bambi. Yeah. And they were lovely. And these woods felt very bland. I was like I was very much reminded of Peter and the Wolf. Yeah. Um which but, when we watched Peter and the Wolf I was reminded of the scene just didn't actually remember it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that same like it's doesn't feel as sophisticated. Yeah. As and we've it's used it's to. got it's got some chunk to it. Mm-hmm. And it's just um not as finely rendered, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's um, absolutely true. And it opens up, we have another book. It's an animated mm-hmm. book. And it's an uh, illuminated text, mm-hmm. which again, felt very Sleeping Beauty. None mm-hmm. of the other ones were illuminated with the mm-hmm. dramatic art. Yeah. The credits even were like tapestry opening. They weren't concept mm-hmm. art. Yeah. They weren't interactive like 101 Dalmatians. So it was just um, very much like Sleeping Beauty was great and we're doing another medieval thing mm-hmm. and it's going to be just as good. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It, nope, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's also, like, an interesting cho- story choice, like, which I find interesting, like, from the perspective of the author, I guess, mm-hmm. like, to do Arthur as a boy before he's even king. And that's the whole, like, the movie ends with Arthur being crowned king. And it's just such an odd... Well, I guess it's not that odd, because that's exactly what Legend of the Sword is, is all of the pre-king... Well, but Arthur. but it doesn't feel as earned. <laughs> but th- this doesn't feel as earned. What do you mean? Like... Ah, uh, him becoming king doesn't feel... Like, he didn't do anything to earn being king. Yeah. yeah he didn't. So, which makes it a weird conclusion. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like the, well, we had to end it, and this is how we chose to end yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it just it, it just felt like... I don't know, like, the way that Merlin and Archimedes just were, and then the way they, like, reacted to everything that Arthur wanted to do himself, it it felt like being in Red Pill Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Though. A little bit. Hammering home the brain over brawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and b- maintaining an air of capitalism, like, oh yeah, the, the strong are just always gonna gonna overpower the weak so you just become stronger in whatever way you're able to and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and that's very and much that like resonate with me no that's <laughs> totally fair and it's very much like a theme of the movie that mm-hmm. we even got in the beginning when they're showing like the hawk chasing mm-hmm. the squirrel and the wolf and mm-hmm. um which 
There is an alternate beginning where it's more like Madame Mim is trying to kidnap and manipulate mm-hmm. Arthur, which struck me. I was like, oh yeah, this film doesn't have a villain. Yeah. Like, Madame Mim is there towards but, the end. But she doesn't really do anything. No. She's just she's one of the She's not a credible threat. Things. No, she's not at all. I love her character. She's fun. I love her. <laughs> she's, so, she's so fun. It's a story not too fond of in general, but I loved all the characters. In yeah, the and there are some good moments. Archimedes as our as our skeptic, the one who, <laughs> even though like he literally lives in a magic house, doesn't seem to believe in you know the greater picture that Merlin sees. Uh-huh. Well, as I mentioned in the alternate opening, and I think this is true in the book as well. Um, that's only loosely referenced in the final film that Archimedes is living forwards in time. He's immortal. From the beginning of time, mm. moving forwards, and then Merlin is moving backwards through time. Mm. So Merlin knows all of what is to come, and Archimedes knows all of what already has been, which is why they're so at odds. Okay. Um, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, very <laughs> silly reminded of Doctor Who. Yeah, a little um, bit. I thought it was interesting, and I thought like that really highlighted the differences in their characters, mm-hmm. um, which is fun. They're very much like an old married couple. <laughs> so I like Archimedes. I love Merlin. I probably am Merlin. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> All of his mishaps. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is... <laughs> This is me. You liked it. So this, uh, I was going to say this morning, I guess it was probably like 1130 when I finally got up. I was going to reheat some old soup. And so I pull it out of the fridge and I drop the bowl on the floor and it splatters all over. So I like sigh, pick it up. There's like enough left. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll pour it over some noodles and heat that up instead of just having soup, which is fine. So I clean up the mess. Pour the soup over the noodles and put it in the microwave. And then I go to throw away the leftover containers. And as I'm putting it in the trash, the lid, for some inexplicable reason, falls off and splatters soup all over the area around the garbage can. So I just was like watching Merlin. She's like, hmm, wow, this is too soon. This is a lot. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, and also 100% Merlin's a Gemini. His mood swings and his inability to be wrong and <laughs> his love of knowledge and talking too much and manipulating people. I was like, yep, yep. There, there I am. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> okay, what's Archimedes then? Archimedes, he seems like an Aries to me. Mm, he's really competitive though. That's true. There's, I, I feel like K was more of an Aries. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Archimedes. I would have pegged him as an Aquarius. He's yeah. very bookish. Yeah. Very know-it-all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, stubborn and solitary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Merlin's just like, I'm moving into this castle. Like, yeah. it does not explain himself adequately. All I'm like, no, 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 like... Why don't you just say that, like, you know... Well, he does say that he's there to teach Arthur. But he doesn't say why. It's like, I'm here to teach him. Like, if he understood, it's like... But he doesn't even seem to know why he's teaching Arthur. That's true. He just knows that he's supposed to. I guess so. So, I don't know. Um, I mean, like, that's fair. Like, he doesn't really explain himself. But it is very much that creative, whimsical versus (laughs) the rigid, Mm -hmm. structured education because Arthur is getting two educations you're getting the the traditional 
trade school education and you're getting like somewhere between like Ivy League Montessori. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, Montessori is a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to turn into a fish to learn about fish problems, fish problems, and squirrels and squirrel problems. Um, and birds for fun. And then there's a match. Because that's what he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, and I remember the, the song from when he was a fish. Like, mm, that was on one of my sing-along tapes. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. The songs were not as great as I remembered, but Madame Mim was everything I remembered her yes. to be. Mm-hmm. I love her. I felt like each short story was kind of great in its own contained little bubble. Yeah, but they didn't tie them together very no. well. Which is funny, because it's like, it wouldn't have been that hard to sort of, like, build into this bigger overarching story, mm-hmm. and there's, like, good emotional moments where mm-hmm. Arthur has his squireship taken from him, mm-hmm. where he gets it back, and Merlin is, like, mm-hmm. upset, because he's like, no, I wanted more for you than being a squire, and, mm-hmm. like, I feel like those moments could have been driven home yeah. in a really great way. Yeah, like... Arthur never really asks, like, what is it that you see in me? Like, why, why, right. what, what more do you want me to be than a squire? Right. I, like, he does when Merlin's upset, but then they're not having a conversation about it. Yeah. Because um, he just, he's like, I'm not going to have this conversation. I'm just going to yeet off to Bermuda. <laughs> the most Gemini <laughs> mood I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, we're having emotions now? Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> Can you believe I've ins- I've consulted you for for how to how to move forward emo- in my emotional I life? I give very good advice <laughs> because I can be objective. That's true. <sighs> and I, actually, never mind. We could talk about it later. <laughs> That's uh, oh, literally ne- all my notes. My next so note says on... that the, the squirrel girl is a redhead. Yeah, the squirrel girl is a redhead. Um, so there's a and, repeat. Yeah, and. Merlin and War are both fake furries, because as soon as another furry girl comes along, they're like, oh, crap, I don't want this. I love the love song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cute. It's a very heteronormative sequence. It is. Um, but I liked it. And I like the song about love being discombobulating. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Yeah. It comes along, and it just ruins everything, and the, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, talking about love right now just remind me that this has just been a real banner week for my baby fever because one of my best <laughs> friends holidays <laughs> one of, no one of my best friends had a baby last week mm-hmm. another one of my friends had a baby yesterday mm-hmm. and another friend from high school just announced she's having twins wow like why aren't uh, why I got well my, my cousin's toddler daughter finally likes hanging out with me so she sat in my lap for a while during like Christmas stuff but, like, if you're almost four, that's not exactly... I mean, it's a baby, but it's not a baby baby. True, true. I just, um, you know, if you had a baby, I don't know where you'd put it. <laughs> if I have a baby and I'm still living with my parents, then just, like, I don't know. That's normal. Just so you know. Like, that is a perfectly normal thing for human society is to live with your parents when you have a baby. Because parents help you raise babies. That is normal. That's how society is supposed to function. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so ready to move out, though. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'm just letting you know. Okay. 
the 1950s are an anomaly. That is true. And we should not base our society on them for many, many reasons. In fact, having only two adults in an enclosed environment raising children is dangerous for both the children and the adults. Oh, boy. You need other people to hold you accountable. You should have a community raising children. Anyway, this is my soapbox. <laughs> my next note is this one is what I asked myself. Is Merlin a red pill dude? Um, <laughs> A lot, like a little bit, a little, a little bit. bit. Like, but he's also—he's a grumpy, crotchety old man whose power is magic, which is intellectual. Yeah, and he just doesn't understand what like maybe jousting is kind of a waste of time. But you still need to know about weapons and horsemanship right. if you're going to be a medieval king. Right, right. Yeah, we never see that there are any benefits at all to being K, other than like. If you have any knowledge, you know that Sir Kay is a knight of Arthur, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but in within the story itself, we never see how those other skills are useful. So actually, <laughs> we don't see how any of Merlin's skills are useful to Arthur. Mm-hmm. He just teaches Arthur these things, and then Arthur becomes king, and we're expected to believe these things will help him be a better king. Mm-hmm. So, like, to be fair, teaching him to read and problem solve are good skills to have when you are king of England. But he's still 12. He's still 12. We never see any skills used actually to better him in any way. Other than his passion and his drive, which he already had. Yep. It seems to be the most useful skill to him and no one taught him that. Mm-hmm. So, yep. weak story. Yeah. My, and so and then my last, let's, um, my last note is about Bermuda Merlin. Because <laughs> when he comes <laughs> back into the throne room at the end. Bermuda and- Merlin is the best thing about this film. Yeah, right. he's got he's got a baseball cap, regular sunglasses, a Hawaiian shirt and shorts, and he's wearing red chucks. Nineteen sixty three. Because he went to twentieth century Bermuda and he was like, Oh, that modern. Like he spent the whole thing talking about how great the modern world is and he's like, Nope, never mind. <laughs> yep. Because he went and saw colonialism and tourism up up close. He's like, Oh, no, don't like that. No, I don't know if that was his problem. Maybe it was the freeways. <laughs> But either way, he's done with the modern world, and he's content to stay with Merlin. Mm-hmm. Um, with Arthur. Yeah. Or, whoops, yeah, Merlin's content Whatever. to stay with Arthur. Um, but Madame Mim. I love her. I love Madame Mim. She's got this great character. Like, when she makes herself pretty, I'm like, that's a Dapper Day look right there. Yes. I've seen some good Madame Mim Dapper yeah. Days. She is very fun. And she's got a good color palette. It's like all pinks yeah. and purples. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love the wizard's duel. I just... Mm-hmm. Again, that connective tissue, it's just all of a sudden she's like, oh, well, wizard's duel, and we're having a wizard's duel, and I'm like, oh, uh, okay. What are the stakes? <laughs> yeah. Why is this happening? I don't know. Is this, just th- you should say it's, re- like, if it's retaliation for her trying to kill the boy, then you should say, hey, don't kill the boy, please. Uh, yeah, like, he did say that, and then she was like, what are you going to do about it? Let's have a wizard's duel about it. Like, but it wasn't... But it's like, then you give the boy a chance to run away, which he does not do. <laughs> like Arthur Arthur what are you doing here why are you still here <laughs> and I just remember like just the way that the um her getting sick at the end is animated is just so fun mm-hmm. and her scream of hating sunshine mm-hmm. is so good <laughs> I'm very excited for um so we record in my house mm-hmm. the bedroom that I am currently in is not my childhood bedroom. That's next door. But now that they're no long, there's no longer a guinea pig page mount, cage mounted to that wall. Um, I'm moving back into it, and I'm getting real. I'm getting good blinds, dark blinds that like 
it, it will actually be dark <laughs> in my room. I'm looking very forward to that. <laughs> I am the opposite. I need the sunlight to get me out of bed in the morning. Otherwise, I will not get up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. I'm big on daylight. Mm-hmm. But that's different. I'm an extrovert who has to be out of the house all the time. Mm-hmm. Always. See, and I need 10 hours of sleep to function. So mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Love that spoon life. Oh, my sister, like, got mad at me because I made a comment only getting six hours of sleep. She's like, you need eight hours to be healthy, and the best sleep hours are from ten to two. And I was like, that's cool. I don't sleep from ten to two. I sleep from two to ten. And those are my eight hours. And that's just the way I live my life, and don't tell me how to live it. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Um... But anyway, that's it for Sword in the Stone, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really cute. It's cute. It's not It's not a, It's not. not a great story, but it's a good yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, it's well, fun. I don't know if it's a good movie, but it's a cute movie, and I enjoyed it. It is cute. And I definitely, like, it's mostly nostalgia that I enjoy about it, but it really is fun characters, mm-hmm. and... Um, like it's a good, it's a good one. Yeah, it's another good one for like, hey, if you have small children in your life, they'll probably enjoy this. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I also think it would make a good live action adaption. Yeah, get somebody who can actually ride on it. I well, I just think like you can't do what you did with Beauty and the Beast, where you just redo the movie in mm-hmm. live action. Mm-hmm. But I could see them redoing the story with live actors mm-hmm. and putting more meat into it mm-hmm. and it being good because the film itself is only 79 minutes yeah who would you cast as merlin archimedes and arthur mm, that's a good question would merlin have to be jude law he might <laughs> <laughs> um or oh gosh who am i thinking of give me a moment i think stephen fry's merlin would be fun stephen fry's merlin would be fun I think Mark Hamill would also be a great Merlin. Okay, yeah. Mark, yeah, Mark Hamill is Merlin. Stephen Fry is Archimedes. Like, Mark Hamill, but he's definitely pulling from his Joker trickster <gasps> days. So he's a little bit, like, wild and unpinnable. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, grumpy and frustrated all the time. Yes. I think it's perfect. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, but I think Stephen Fry would be good for Archimedes. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, I don't know about Arthur. I don't know a lot of child actors, honestly. Neither do I. So, I don't know. Charlie, Charlie Hunnam for Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you guys should go watch and then Hel- and then I mean, the, the lazy choice would be Helena Bottom Carter as Madame Mim, but it would also yeah. be a good one. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be bad casting. It would just yeah. be the easy casting. Um, better choice for Madame Mim would be Emily Blunt. I think she'd be a great Madame Mim. That would be a lot of fun. I think she would enjoy no. Bernadette being Mad- Peters. Bernadette Peters. I don't know who that is. Um, so in the original Broadway production of Into the Woods, she okay. played she played the witch. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. She's more of a Broadway performer, but she's it's so like her good. name's familiar, but I don't know oh. who she is. Okay. Well, I I would say let's watch my my DVD mm. of the original Broadway cast of Into the Woods, but I lent it to a boy once, and then he never returned it to me. Mm. For shame. Mm-hmm. Um. So what do we have coming up next week? Short. A short. Yeah. Um, we got a mini sode next week for you. Did we just we I mean we haven't actually decided what we're gonna do. No, we ha- no um, we haven't, but we're definitely gonna be talking about Mary Poppins. We're gonna talk about um, Mary Poppins. We're gonna go see it 
before the episode comes out. Mm -hmm. We won't spoil it, Mm -hmm. but we'll let you know if it's any good or not. And, like, a lot of trailers dropped over the holiday. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're gonna... Like, a lot. We're gonna get into those. You know what? Maybe we should just, like, trailer marathon um, (laughs) and not do a short. Um, Or we could do the Brave Little Tailor, because that came up today and we didn't watch it. Yeah, that would be good. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out, but that's what we've got coming up next week. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And we're really excited for 2019. We have a lot of guests on our plate this year, yes. and I'm really excited. Yes. It's going to be good. It's going to be so good. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like this was a good way to start our new year. Yeah. It was like, nice. Like, we had a lot of fun with our short. It's a good, fun film, and we're just ready to go. We yep. dive right into the Disney Dark Ages. <laughs> so if you guys want to um, interact with us on the internet... Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Drawn Out Cast. You can find me personally at Brooke Amimi. You can find me at Chaser Tiff. And I'm going to do a special shout out because um, personal bump. I just finished Order of the Phoenix. Um, and by that, for those who don't know me, I mean I finished rewriting Order of the Phoenix chapter by chapter. Um, as if James and Lily were alive. And when I closed it, I posted a big, like, bump for Drawn Outcast. So if you're here because you read my Harry Potter AU, I'm excited that you're here and I hope you like my podcast as much as you like my fan fiction. <laughs> um, but yeah. So follow me at Chaser Tiff. Um, you can follow my Harry Potter AU at HP Everyone Lives on Twitter. Um, and we're on Instagram at Drawn Outcast as well. And you can email us. At drawnoutcast at gmail.com. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Drawnoutcast. Somebody uh, texted me and, like, or maybe it was you, um, but they, like, referred to Drawnoutcast by DOC. And I was like, Doc, what's Doc? <laughs> oh, podcast. That's an abbreviation. <laughs> yeah, I have never thought of that either. Yeah, that's what I mean. um, but yeah, this has been uh, Drawnout Closing. Bye. <laughs>